Andrea Tessman. Kirk Buckner. We found some people because we have to look at the first time that virtue signaling went to the top of the charts. And oh, yes. Yes. Good old fashioned North American guild. Well, absolutely. And it's our one year anniversary. And what better way for the show, the greatest show ever, hosted by two Canadians discussing number one hits in the United States. It's number one in that. that that's a chart. Could be. It might be. I don't know. But if it is, we'd be number one at it. So we had to get some guests because we are going to be tackling the world because we are the world. And of course, because Michael Jackson wrote this, we are also the children. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. yeah he, That's touching. Starting strong, Kirk. Starting Ooh. strong. Oh, well. Lionel Richie wrote it for two weeks in Jackson's bedroom. It seemed there was a little bit of a fact I didn't necessarily think I needed to know ahead of time. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you party all night long. Well, Kirk, why don't you introduce our guests? Well, as Andrea, before we got online, you said, when worlds collide, the host of my second show meets the host of my first show, Evan Nolan, co-host of the weekly Hall of Fame podcast, where we look at all things Hall of Fame related. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty well. Again, I said it beforehand, I'm just representing the four-time Frontier League A-ball champions, the Schaumburg Boomers, who defeated the Washington Wild Things in a thriller, a three-two series victory on Monday night. So there we go. Absolutely. I'm not representing a damn thing today. <laughs> we also have My American Cousin. That actually was the name of a, of a Canadian film that nobody watched. But literally, <laughs> I do have an American cousin, Steve Buckner. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Thank you so much for asking me. And also, you, you uh, didn't have to do the other preparation that I had Evan do, because uh, I asked you before if you saw if you knew the Canadian version, Northern Lights, uh, Tears Are Not yes. Enough. Yes, yes, I do recall that one. Yeah, I had all my, my favorites in there. Mike Reno of Loverboy was one of your favorites? You know, back in the day, yeah. Uh, actually saw them play live a few years back. <laughs> Wow. Well, and there were some there were some good ones in Northern Lights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, who was it? Brian Adams was there. Getty Lee. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny Mitchell. Mitchell. There, Neil Young. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Neil Young was shocking when he showed up. That was that was yeah. bizarre. <laughs> started with Gordon Lightfoot though. You can't start anything Canadian without Gordon Lightfoot. So he, he, well, that's he probably true. was walked walked into the wrong room or something. <laughs> <laughs> And our like Dan Aykroyd, and we are the world. Yeah, your Dan Aykroyd didn't show up. I mean, they should have just at least brought out the corpse of John Belushi and then just sort of like uh, have a tit for tat moment. But I guess uh, maybe he was busy that day, being dead. Wow. Again, they're not. They're not all gems. I never <laughs> said they were. And Andrea, you brought your stalker. I did. I brought my good friend Brad, who is our. I think. Oh no, we had one other commenter who um, sent yes. us hate mail. But other than that, I think Brad's about the only person that ever commented your, on our I podcast. Yeah, Brad's given us nice things to say, not always to me. Uh, I still hate musicals, by the way. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yes, yeah, you know what I do? I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Steve, I, I, I should have told you. Yeah, Andrea and I got uh, a hate message that we need to crawl back into the crevice of which we came because we. How is your crevice, by the way, Kirk? Oh, pardon me. I said, "How is your crevice?" Well, the my crevice that I came from. Oh, well, how's your the crevice that you came from? 
Well, as, as I sort of commented to that lady, it wasn't as smelly as I remembered, which was her mom. Oh, oh. wow. They're not all gems, right? No, they're not. <laughs> just, I, 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 I just thought that Canada was America's hat, not its crevice. That was weird. No, no, no. America is Canada's pants. Mm. Where does that make Florida? Never well, let's put it this way. We're, <laughs> we're bigger and we're on top. So if you, we were in prison, America would be our bitch. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's good. Man. That's like fighting words. This is exciting. <laughs> what does this make Mexico? The shoes? Jean Claude. <laughs> nice. So, Zapatos. so I guess, how did we get here? How did this song come about? Because the British beat everyone to it, essentially. Uh, yeah. it, also, a terrible and even more condescending song. This is where you and I, Andrew, have the big disagreement. I love uh, Feed the World. That's why I wasn't asked for any of these, because I can't sing, as I just proved right there. Uh, I love it, and it's also you hear it every Christmas. So do they know it's Christmas is the worst Christmas song no, ever, or at least it's in the top three. Along um, with Wham. It, okay, with Wham last Christmas, at least you can play Wham again with it. Um, there are no such redeeming qualities for Do They Know It's Christmas. I, I do have to say... Christmas, it, and it can be blamed for spawning this song. Mm. I do have to say, at least do, we know, do They Know It's Christmas is not the Christmas shoes, which is the actual single worst Christmas song of all time. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that, that probably is. Which one? Like my, my mother's dying of cancer. Can I buy these shoes for her? As a Christmas yeah. song is yeah. pretty for Christmas out. shoes. It's yeah. it's yeah. I think that wins. Yeah, but, but do they I, know it's Christmas? Is so condescending of like the only reason that the Africans are like not doing well is because they don't have snow. And if they don't have snow, Santa can't come. I think they're not they implying that. They're just saying they don't have Africa cable. This Christmas, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's because they don't care. You know, it's kind of hard to give a shit about Santa when you're starving. As in the immortal words of Bono, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Yeah. Bono didn't mean that what literally. A line. <laughs> Bono was saying, like, hey, get off your ass. Like, it, he, he was talking about white privilege before we knew that was a thing. And yes, apparently we all have it. And Bono is pretty much the whitest of us. That's Brad, you are the whitest of us. Uh, that's guilty. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's usually so, me. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, no, he's whiter than you. But you're whiter than me, Andrea. I mean, only in complexion. Man, this yeah, is the ball for shit. <laughs> so, Steve. All right, let's go back <laughs> to the song that we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> All right, so anyway, they get this idea. Now, here's something I didn't know. Harry Bella, this was Harry Belafonte's idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and, he and he didn't even get a line in the song. Like, this, is all, me Sorry. this is all this is all his idea, and he doesn't even get a line. No, I mean it's it's uh he was in the chorus though. Yeah, yes. with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. <laughs> in the back. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> he was looking for the oh. men's room. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, that's his joke, but he actually talked to a he was looking for a, a business manager. Yeah. And so he spoke to one of his talent or the talent agent who suggested that he show up for this. Now he's coming off of Blues Brothers, so he's got a little bit of cred. 
and they brought him in. So there he is in the chorus, young Dan Aykroyd. So what I really like is mm -hmm. that um, Huey Lewis was supposed to be in the chorus. Mm -hmm. Prince was supposed to be a featured artist. Mm -hmm. Prince went, fuck this shit, I'm too cool for this. Went out no. partying. Yeah. And Huey Lewis got promoted. Why the fuck Huey Lewis? Why not Harry Belafonte? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> wait, 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 there's two reasons or rumors why Prince wasn't there. One of them is that because Geldof called him a creep and so he wouldn't show up. And the other one was that after, this is just after the AMAs. And so just after the AMAs, apparently Prince had to bail two of his bodyguards out of jail. Interesting. Yeah. Also, apparently he had a feud with Michael Jackson. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I couldn't really find why the two didn't lie. It's probably well, more because Prince. Michael Jackson saw how short Prince was and mistook him for a child. <laughs> <laughs> you should stop the podcast. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't top that. Damn. <laughs> I, I, I cede the show over to you, Brad. I, got, I, can't, <laughs> I can't top this. Damn. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> uh, that's another one we have to do at some point because there's no way that Paul McCartney and uh, Michael Jackson were fighting over the same woman. That's not possible unless no. that woman looked like Prince. If, <laughs> if they were fighting over Diana Ross, it would have been understandable. Because Michael Jackson liked Diana Ross for a while and then just tried to look like her. Be never I, I feel like Barry Gordy got in the way of that one more than anything. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I guess we should actually look at who was involved. Uh, so as uh, I think, I think it was you, Brad, who mentioned, uh, the, the, or was it you, Evan? That, yeah, it was Michael Jackson got tasked with writing it, Lionel Richie, well, with Lionel Richie, but apparently, according to LaToya, so there, there's a great source, uh, Michael did most of it. Of which, course. Could be true, could not be, don't know. Uh, the, the semblance of talent here is really impressive. I, I think was, we talked how Prince wasn't there. There was another big name, and I don't know which story is true, because uh, I read that she was either not asked or Michael Jackson asked her and she decided not to, that being Madonna. Mm -hmm. With Madonna, what I read on that one is that she wanted to be involved but couldn't be because, uh, what was it? I have it in my notes here. Um, notes, was, my God. Yeah, I took some notes. Yeah. Um, Didn't you be prepared? Uh, Madonna wanted to be involved, uh, but uh, the dates on the Virgin Tour wouldn't allow her to be, and her manager suggested that she prioritize the tour over... Um, but she was in LA already because she was at the, the, those awards. Yeah, but she was touring right after. So I guess she had to be on a plane. I don't know. Mm. Was, was she even that much of a star at that point? Yeah. 85? Yeah, she was a star at 85. Yeah, that was right after. Yeah, like, like I said, yeah, like a virgin tour, which was, I remember it was basically her and Cindy Lauper battling it out as the two top female stars. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess when oh, did get, you yeah. hear the stories about Cindy Lauper trying to incite a revolution in this in this recording? Well, that yeah. one revolution. 
<laughs> well, no, but uh, she she was trying to uh, stir shit up. Apparently, she had a manager um, go up to I can't remember whoever and say, "Oh, the the rockers don't like this song." So oh, they went to Springsteen and they went to Bob Dylan and they went to everyone. Like and they're all like, "No, this is fine. This is great. Let's let's do this." And then um, so yeah, it was just literally her being. That, that, that's what I read as well. It was that her and I think Billy Joel, they, they were concerned that, that it just simply wasn't a really good song. And well, they were right. right. Well, yeah. okay. But, but deep down, maybe they were worried about their credibility if, if they lend their hands to it. Mm. But you they know, did it anyways. They did. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, I mean, it was cool to see, because I remember, you were my thoughts, so I would have been 13. So my thoughts were then, well, it's so cool to see all this collection of talent, but this song blows. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was just yeah, a Pepsi commercial. Yeah. So Belafonte got the idea from, what was it, from Live Aid? Yeah. Um, and then uh, he and Quincy Jones uh, put their heads together. And between Belafonte and Geldof, uh, no, sorry, Geldof wasn't involved in this that much. But between him and uh, Quincy Jones, they basically assembled the Avengers of Music uh, for that time like yeah. it was all across the, like it's not not any particular genre because there's rock there's pop there's some the stars that are fading and some stars that are just coming up into their own but the but, but they also some of the fading stars john denver was apparently turned down he he was mm -hmm. all for it and they're like nah we got enough people john denver should have turned down that flight the two best vocalists on this whole thing were uh, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder. And yes. they, they just, they talked that shit out. But yeah, the, Springsteen the, the, singing with um, uh, Stevie Wonder, does he not look like he was caught mid shit and had to sing some of it? Like mid epic, really I thought he looked like he was like pooping out a pine cone. Oh yeah, it looks painful. Like whatever he's passing is not smooth. I, I do have to say that I enjoyed Stevie Wonder telling everyone that if they didn't get this done in one take, that he and Ray Charles were driving everybody home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty good. Everybody, um, like there was a, the sign at the door says, check your egos at the door. And there was really only one big snub throughout that whole night. Uh, which one? Because I, I saw one with was Di a bit of from Diana Ross. Was that what you, you saw? No, what I saw was the, the big one was that Al Giroux, uh, the, the jazz singer, mm -hmm. um, went up to Bob Dylan and basically said, I just want to tell you in my own stupid way, I love you. Um, he was just expressing a lot of respect for Bob Dylan kind of thing. Bob Dylan didn't make eye contact and walked away. How many times can a man turn his head and pretend that he just doesn't see? <laughs> well, the answer, my nice. friend, is blowing in the wind. Well, answer, the answer, my friend, is how many jazz singers are going to blowing you off? You know, I, I, I think, I, I think, well, you know, Bob apologized though, and he, and he called him up and he says, you know, like I'm really worried about your feelings. So, like, how do you feel? <laughs> yeah. Man, now you got a gem. Now you got. So so, Kirk, what was the snub you heard? Diana Ross? Oh, no, it wasn't even that big. It was just a, she, she was the only one with a bit of a diva moment because at the end of the video when they're doing the chorus, apparently they shot that first from what I read. 
So she was the only one upset about where she was placed in the chorus. Mm. So they moved her to the front. But at the same time, I also read that she was also the one person who wanted to make sure the crew were fed. Oh, that's good. So that's Considering actually- Considering you're um, doing a, a charity for famine, it kind of makes sense to make sure the yeah. group's dead. They're not Ethiopians, are they? Who cares? <laughs> you never know. Never know. Well, apparently, they did have two Ethiopian women there at the end of the night who talked to them and told them how great they were. They did. But like, uh, who brought them? Uh, Quincy Jones, didn't it? Was it Quincy? Was it? It was Quincy, or it was? I'll, I'll double check. No, I think that. it was Quincy. Yeah, but, you know, with this crew, they probably and they said like, like thank thank you, and they probably just said well, you can take all the leftovers. I guess you need it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you. We'll get you a Dwuggy bag. Yeah. No, Stevie Wonder brought them actually. Ah, uh, okay, there we go. Well, maybe you know, so Stevie Wonder brought them, and maybe there was actually two Nordic women, and no one had the. They didn't want us to tell Steve. Uh, like no, no, it's <laughs> it's possible. I'm just. Saying. <laughs> all right, so, so I gotta I, say though, like all jokes aside. This song made like, well, they say sixty million, but then mm. looking at um, ongoing residuals, they're like a hundred million dollars that actually uh, USA for Africa went to aid. Yeah, and USA for mm. Africa is still an ongoing charity that is actually doing. Yeah, I didn't even know that until I was doing mm. the research for that. So I mean, like, yes, you're and you're right, Andrew. All jokes aside, this did exactly what it set out to do. Uh, and for all the crappy songs we talk about, none of them have ever done good. Mm-hmm. This is actually doing good in the world. So I guess we should look at the lineup of just who these people were. Oh, yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've had a question that I brought you ahead of time. Like of all the people, particularly who sang the soloists, oh, yeah. like it was interesting going through who got to sing and who didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, like who was actually some, there were one of the people was like, how are they singing? I went and looked them up because we've never talked about them at all for rock, rock hall stuff. Yep. And I honestly think, and even when we're doing the uh, rock hall revisit thing, they haven't come up at all, even though they're supposed to have at this point. Mm-hmm. They could have at this point. I really think we should talk about them as we go through. So go ahead. Okay. I find it really interesting that a lot of the headliners never actually had a number one themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for all the shitting we did on Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd did have a number one album. With the Blues Brothers, that actually did go number one. It's true. Yeah, maybe we should look at that uh, when, when we run out of stuff. How the hell did this album go to number one? Oh, the Blues Brothers. <laughs> there's a reason for that. They were on a mission from God. <laughs> and like me, they hated Illinois Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so soloists starting off, Lionel Richie. Say you, say me. Now that's somebody who actually wanted to date a blind person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, was that, is that what, the, what the hello thing was about? She was blind? Yeah, she's a blind yes. sculptor. Hmm. She could see it in her eyes, but her eyes are shut the whole time. Yeah. I never even put, put that together. I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. It's a trivia. I always it's sort of wondered in that video after he says like, uh, hello, and then he turns away and he stops. Like, she's on the phone. What are you doing? <laughs> Don't talk to us. Talk to her. Dumbass. So Lila Ritchie goes up first. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the interesting thing is he wanted to get that part over with because there, there was two parts of that recording where they all were doing their solos in the 
in a semicircle and he felt a bit intimidated. And apparently they were all intimidated by Ray Charles and Andrew and I, we did a whole thing on Ray, like just an absolute God. Who wouldn't be intimidated by Ray Charles? Powerhouse, but you know, aside from being a bit of a womanizer and you know, maybe having a problem with some junk, he was up an absolute, like he was a, a, a force. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't just a singer, he was a force of nature. Mm-hmm. And an activist and uh, genuinely, aside from being a womanizer, a pretty good guy, it seems. Which is rare because usually musicians aren't known to cheat on their wives. No, it's, it's <laughs> no unknown. Never. I don't know, man. But if you step up on stage, you know, every night and you have 20 to 50 different sets of panties and hotel room keys being thrown at you. Well, most guys are only as loyal as their options. Chris, is, yeah. is this what yeah. your DJ days were like, Brad? Not that many panties. <laughs> Not that few panties, though. <laughs> Must be really bad, though, when they throw the edible ones. No, that's a snack in the booth, because you don't get shit back there. I mean, <laughs> okay. you know, you're, you're a mushroom in the booth. You're just kept in the dark and fed shit all day. Now that reminds me, I got to eat out more often. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. I'm here all week because I got nowhere else. Say some of the jokes for our podcast. The headliners. <laughs> <laughs> so opening with Lionel Richie, then Stevie Wonder, who this was, I guess, I guess arguably this was his last real hit because he was sort of coming off the, uh, I was reading to, he was, no. Uh, did this come out before I just called or, or not? I don't remember. Yes, it did. It did? It, okay. it came out before then, yes. Okay, so then... So he's still charted after Yeah, this. so he was still charting, yeah. So, yeah. He did. That's right. Yeah, you're right, because he was... think that he had to go back to work on The Woman in Red, which is where that came from, so... Yep. Right. Were uh, any of you as shocked as I was that Kenny Rogers stepped up to the mic? I didn't ever remember hearing Kenny Rogers as a kid listening to this, and I haven't listened to this on purpose until recently. Uh, no, I, I guess because I, re- I remember it. Mm-hmm. So how many of you watched this video to, in preparation for this? I yeah, I watched it. So everybody did. Did yeah. Kenny Rogers not look like maybe somebody was giving him a bit of a hand job under the camera <laughs> angle? When he, I I light, <laughs> he had this kind of ecstatic look on his face just before he started singing. And I guess someone took a picture of that and he took that to I his mean, plastic surgeon later and said, I want to I mean, look just like this. Yeah, I when just, I start making chicken for a living, <laughs> this is I, what I want to look like. I, I just I just thought he looked like a giant because he was next to Paul Simon. Oh, yeah, well, Paul Simon's we. I mean, that's another Michael Jackson yeah. victim. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, 50 I mean, ways, the 50 ways to leave your lover are just how to get to Michael Jackson's house. <laughs> Asshole, I was just starting to say my joke on that. <laughs> okay, well, well done. <laughs> anyway, back to the lineup. Yeah, which which is Paul Simon, who was in the middle middle of nothing at this point. Yeah, that that never. Uh, I I didn't get that one. He, of of all the people who didn't fit in, um, he just didn't fit in. I I, I just didn't get it. He must have got really inspired because he said, "You know what? I think I'm going to check out Africa and then steal a bunch of their music." And then it worked out well for Did Quincy not work with Paul Simon before? I don't know. 
because I'm not I'm not sure if he did or not. But I mean, knowing that you know Paul, Paul Simon is has gone solo. He's it's post Garfunkel years and yeah, I, it's it's pre Graceland. Let's say yeah, but it's only um, a couple. It's only a couple years pre Graceland. Yeah, so he's in the middle of this, but he's still you know he's still a relevant voice. I think in the music industry. Yeah, I mean, we could say the same about Bob Dylan at, the, at that point, too. Absolutely. Still yeah. a recognizable and relevant voice. Yeah. And Bob Dylan could come on something today and still be a recognizable voice. Uh, yeah. yeah I, He's I, a recognizable voice. No, I know. I know that. But oh, again, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like, I, like really I said to Evan uh, one time, I mean, like nobody's nobody cheered for the Taliban harder than Bob Dylan because the day that that scandal of him broke out, the Taliban overtook Kabul. <laughs> Because we've all already forgotten about the... I don't think I ever heard of the Bob Dylan scandal. Uh, a woman accused him of, of Dylan of grooming her in the 60s. Oh. So, and it got buried. No kidding. Grand, yeah. it, it's, one, it's not a Cosby. It's a one circumstance that got buried. So we, we don't know. And it, is, and it may not be true. Hmm. May or may not be. It is what it is, but yes, I, I think that um, he definitely benefited from shit going down elsewhere in the world. Huge. But, okay, so before that came out, he could be on any sort of fundraiser, even in this day yep. and age, and would mm -hmm. still good. make money. He could. That was his whole shtick, you know, was social consciousness and uh, mm -hmm. uh, just trying to bring, to bring attention to that sort of thing. So you, probably for that reason... He, he was worthy of being there. Yeah, I don't think, um, I mean, I think he's a brilliant, brilliant writer. Mm, Never oh yes. thought he should have been near a microphone. But <laughs> I, I get why he's on. I, I kind of, him on this makes sense to me. Yeah, totally recognizable. You wouldn't, it, it, not maybe not. Right, so then we had, as the aforementioned Kenny Rogers, mm -hmm. uh, who, was one of the few, I think that's the other interesting thing we should mention. Um, also, when you're looking at the video of this, some of them, I guess, decided to show up in the rock and roll gear and some didn't. Mm -hmm. Kenny Rogers, I wonder what the hell he wore. It's like, shit, uh, I got nothing. Uh, okay, I'll put on that sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what did he have? Like a who farted t-shirt on underneath? I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually pull it up right now. It, it's, it says USA, for, it says USA in Africa. There's a new note for the A for USA and the and, uh, thing. So apparently it was the uh, official sweatshirt of Pepsi. Yeah, so what if Quincy C they went, put this shit on and cover that shit up? Yeah, right. <laughs> Something. <laughs> it's, it, it is sort of interesting. Michael had his full gear on, his full getup. Mm -hmm. uh, Cindy Lauper certainly looked like Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Oh, Cindy Lauper had to remove jewelry because the mics were picking up the jangling. Yeah. Well, I used to say with Michael Jackson, we definitely knew what he was wearing because he they kept panning from his shoes all the way up to his feet when he was singing. That was so sure there wasn't very a kid attached. Uh, then we go from Kenny to James Ingram. That's the man I want to talk about. Okay. Floor is yours. So James Ingram's a 14-time grammy award winner really 14 times and has multiple number one r&b hits and has never ever 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 come up on anything we've ever done and not only not only does he get this part he gets like the uh the ad-libbing at the end 
he and Stevie Wonder going back and forth, ad-libbing at the end, which is kind of a strange thing in retrospect when you look at everybody singing. Like, how, why is, first of all, why James Ingram? And secondly, why is he getting the stuff at the end? But I was like, yeah, where, what's going on with James Ingram who passed away a couple of years ago now? But like, why have we never talked about him? And the answer is, I don't know. Because he was R&B royalty from the 80s. He was also, two, at this point, he was two years removed from just a great song that went number one uh, with, God, I'm blanking on her name. But it's Baby Come To Me. Like, who, who's a... Uh, Patty Austin. Thank you. All right. Yes. I was going to say Patty LaBelle, but that's not right. So no. that's, that another, awesome, though. <laughs> that's another interesting person who wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And not in the Rock Hall either, but that's my personal. Yeah, that, I guess that's for another show. Uh, then it goes to uh, Tina Turner, who, if this was done two years ago, never would have sniffed this. This is on her 80s comeback. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, Evan and I, we, we've talked about Tina. God, I don't know how much, just how much we, we absolutely adore her. And it's, she definitely belongs here. It, the oh, story yeah. of Tina's return in 84. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the story of Tina in general, I mean, how she went from where she started to that insane amount of abuse at the hands of Ike. Mm-hmm. Up until, you know, a, a brief disappearance, well, okay, a bit of a brief disappearance, and then her resurgence. Mm-hmm. Like, when she when she came back, she came back in a big way. Like, she kicked the doors open with those gorgeous legs and just strutted in. I feel like one of us should be doing a, a Tina Turner strut, but, yeah, maybe not. The only one of us <laughs> who could pull it off would be Andrea. Okay, Kirk, you're up next. <laughs> I, do have, I do have the gold dress in my closet, but that's just for certain occasions. Well, I can change my legs today. So, I mean, there you go. <laughs> uh, then, uh, oh God, one of my least favorite people ever, Billy Joel. Oh, I love Billy Joel. Not yeah, okay, Kirk. your opinion on Billy Joel after our Billy Joel show. Not okay. I, Billy Joel... Someone says the other day, Billy Joel is one of the few artists who has the ability to write both your favorite and least favorite songs. Hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because he wrote stuff like River of Dreams and Uptown Girl. I mean, they, they, they were two diametrically opposed mm-hmm. um, songs by, by all means, by all metrics. But yet there's going to be people who love River of Dreams. There's going to be people who love Uptown Girl or or tell her about it or moving out or whatever. I mean, Billy Joel's whole back catalog, you can put it on repeat and I'm a happy monkey. Mm-hmm. And some, people who like this, some people like this song include Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But Billy deserved to be here. Uh, he, this, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was huge at this point was this before or after that uptown that was before uptown girl i think this is right around the same time as uptown same girl time. was out um that's along with uh i think tell her about it was on the same album if i'm not I think so, yeah. um and then he had another one that was in on that album that also charted if i'm not mistaken yeah so, so i mean that was his oh. 83 was the innocent man Come on, Virginia. Da, ba, da, ba. Yeah, that's a good song. Only the good Die Young was on that album. There we go. That's the one. Yet yeah, Billy's still and that alive. is a good song. Yeah, well. Hmm. 
are they? No, they're not. He's not still married to Christy Brinkley, is he? No, oh, no, no. Okay. No, he's not. Okay. No, he's married to like a woman thirty years younger than him. Well, if you were Billy Joel, you could do that too. Yeah, agreed. But it seemed when they got married, it looked more like he was a nursemaid than anything else. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Hey, he's gonna die, and she's gonna be rich. Yeah, he gets <laughs> care, and she gets money. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me to leave a tender moment alone? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, oh, I, just, I, I got them all going tonight for some right. <laughs> Firing on all eight. <laughs> so we get to Michael Jackson doing the chorus. I mean, he wrote it. You might as well get it mm-hmm. you know, at this point. Uh, it's funny actually going down the YouTube comments and how much love there is out there still for Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Looking, I, I, I did something I don't normally do, and that's you don't ever look at YouTube comments. And it's just a cesspool of love for a pervert. In the, in the words of Chris Rock, black people love Michael Jackson so much they're willing to forgive the first couple kids. <laughs> I, lived, I lived in DC when he died. So DC is still very much a chocolate city. I lived in DC when he died and there are just Michael Jackson memorial shirts everywhere. Yep. everywhere throughout that city oh, which like, version on it was the michael like the black version here or the white version that he became it doesn't well, matter Mike, the story of michael friend. jackson is a lot like the story of jesus started off pretty dark and then just whitened up over time <laughs> I got why am i friends with you <laughs> i'm funny <laughs> that's it that's it damn <laughs> I mean, the thing about Michael Jackson is he was an incredibly talented artist. Wait, just one thing? With a whole lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Like, that that boy was never going to live a normal life or... Well, yeah. no, he was a dancing monkey from the time that he was born. He was put up on stage and pretty much beat into, into performing. So... Yeah, the kid had no childhood. He's going to be screwed up. Now, how screwed up? That's kind of for the courts to decide. Well, and you know what? None of it, none of it excuses child abuse, Mm -hmm. but it somewhat explains it. And I I have a little bit of compassion, but no sympathy. You can separate art from artist, but to a point. Yep, exactly. I guess, uh, you know, Evan, you've got the legal uh, background. Is this the time where we say allegedly? I was about yeah, sure. to point that allegedly. out. Yes, yes. allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. I, I do have to say, though, the one, going back to Christmas songs for a second, the, the Jackson 5 version of I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus mm. and he can't wait to tell his dad. I'm like, dude, your dad is Joe Jackson. Your mom's going to die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's horrible, and that's accurate. I, of course, I know the point of that song is like there's that the kid's dad is dressed up as Santa Claus. I get that, but like, wait, oh, what? Man. Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> yeah, just Santa like Claus, Michael Jackson. Evan, we ruin our lives. Evan, <laughs> next you're gonna tell me that the Easter Bunny doesn't exist. Let's not talk about the Tooth Fairy. Mm-hmm. Why does the Easter Bunny hide his eggs? So nobody knows he's having sex with a chicken. <laughs> love it oh my god <sighs> all, all right, right so 
Well, Jackson, though, <laughs> no, but in these in these woke times, though, he would really embrace all this. Like his pronouns would be. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, okay. It got a grin. I blew air out my nose. There you go. <laughs> Moving on. Well, if I'm sure this was planned after Michael Jackson solo, yeah. you get Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. This was pretty much her end. She had never did it really. Did she even have an album out after this? She didn't have much before this, but Quincy and Diana have got history. Of course, she's going to be in there. Mm. And still an icon. Yeah, again, she's oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, she had she released eleven albums after this. Oh, really? Yeah, including the chart. Oh, I will find out. Give me one second here. Um. Uh, let's see. After that, not really. The best one, I guess. <laughs> well, I got swept away would have been right before this. So no. Yeah. Okay, so following that, Willie Nelson. Well, the girls I've uh, loved before. <laughs> we should go on the road with this. I, I don't know how far that would go, but... <laughs> Two super white pasty German dudes? Yeah. No. You're Julio, I'm Willie. We do the duet. Money. <laughs> yeah, how much would we have to pay? Oh, a lot. <laughs> But yeah, Willie is still an icon. Uh, I I couldn't, I didn't read this, but I have to assume from all of this, he got that idea to do Farm Aid, which is still going on today. He did. He was inspired by this and went on to create Farm Aid. Actually, my friend's dad for many years was in charge of Farm Aid. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Ted, his name is Ted Quade. So I grew up, he, he of course grew up in Massachusetts. My guy in charge was in Massachusetts, which makes no sense. Uh, but he started with it when he was in North Dakota. So he right ran on. for many, many years. Yeah, well, this this spawned a few different offshoots there. You've got Farm Aid. Geldof went on to create Band-Aid, uh, where they did a, a, you know, world tours and what have you. Uh, what else was there? Uh, Farm Aid Band, or no, Live Aid, I'm sorry, because he had Live Band-Aid before yeah, this. Right. Yeah. It was Live Aid that Geldof went on to do after this as well. And Kenny Rogers went off to make chicken. And Dion Warwick went on for the Psychic Network. <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. Did you go with the, the other massive compilation artist? Did anyone see Sun City? That is an awesome song, though. It's a great song yes. against apartheid. Yes. Run DMC. Um, Springsteen's in. No, no, he wasn't in that. Was no, he? Springsteen no. wasn't in it. Was Little um, Steven. Little Steven yeah. did that. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. And I mean, apartheid doesn't exist, but famine in Africa still does. So which one was more successful? Mm-hmm. I think it's also such a powerful message too. Cause like, that was like when South Africa, they had to, they were paying like way above market rate just to get performers to go there. They were, oh, yeah. they, they, Sun City was an incredibly racist, fucked up resort mm-hmm. that was paying massive amounts of money to get international big name stars to perform there Mm -hmm. and so this group of big name musicians said no fuck you not only are we not going to play there we're actually going to put out a song that says we're not playing there it did i think 38 on the charts yeah i I just i just looked at the people involved because i can't say i'm that familiar with sun city to be honest but it's little stevie 
Peter Wolf, Curtis Blow, Pat Benatar, uh, mm-hmm. Joey Ramone, Jimmy Cliff, Daryl Hall, Lou Reed, Shit. Jackson Brown, Bob Dylan, like crazy. Yep. Scott Heron, Africa Bombata, Ruben Blades. Oh, one of my favorites, Ruben Blades. Uh, Bono, George Clinton, uh, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, it's amazing. Who's on it? Yes. Herbie Hancock and Miles Davis on trumpet and Herbie yep. Hancock on keyboards. Oh. Yeah, check it out because it's actually a pretty great song. Unlike this song, which blows ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's only <laughs> marginally better than Do They Know It's Christmas. I have to say about this song, though, the, the song sucks. The whole um, virtue signaling bullshit sucks. But it did kind of, well, no, it didn't start because Do They Know It's Christmas kind of started this trend. Yeah. But it, it definitely propped up the, hey, let's try to do something good for the world. However, if any of them, if they each just donated like 1% of their annual paycheck, it <laughs> would have made more money mm-hmm. than this song made. True. Yeah, well, very true. Well, this took a dark turn. <laughs> uh, oh what we haven't we haven't finished with the lineup yet no, so Kurt, uh, let's right, keep going so here's the person uh like to, to your point brad uh, like the people who i forgot i forgot al Giro was even part of this yes yep great jazz singer didn't see a lot of fame not a yeah not a particularly recognizable voice so even if you're listening on the radio you had no idea who that was generally no. uh, but the guy the guy was amazing he had pipes mm-hmm. Uh, Springsteen. Yep, the mad pooper. Sounded like he was pooping out a pine cone. Not just a little one, big one with like lots of uh, angry pokey bits. Maybe a pineapple. Oh, yes. Pineapple I could see because that would be hard to push out. Well, you know, afterwards though, I mean, like he's, yeah, after he pushed out, then he had to go to the bathroom. Man, baby, it was born to run. Oh, see? Run now. Okay, they, this one sucked. Okay, so you said they're not all gems, but you didn't mention that some of them were actually horse turds. They are turds. <laughs> they are. But I mean, it's like Wayne Gritsky always said, well, you, know, you know, like I, I've, uh, you know, you, you, it's like you don't miss, you know, like you, you, all, the, all the shots you take, eh? It's like, you know, like you don't, you know, I've, uh, I've never made a goal if I've never taken the shot, eh? Did you forget the saying halfway through? No, I was no. trying to No, no, he no, was his, just, that's, he, that's his Wayne Gretzky impression. It comes yeah. up a lot. They're really good. <laughs> they are. They are. I mean, they're better than some of your other impressions. My impressions are all good. I I'm, I think it should say master impressionist actually. Hosted mm. by master impressionist Kirk Buckner. Well, you are the owner of this podcast. You should do that. You can pretty much call yourself whatever you want, I suppose. Yeah, pretty. Or right. the chairman. Or the chairman. You are the chairman. Back to the lineup. All right. So yeah, with spring scene here up. Uh, I'll give credit to Springsteen. Uh, he was, I think, Andrew, I think it was you who brought that up, uh, that it was him just sort of standing up saying, no, I'm, I'm here for this cause. And I'm not really, I guess more or less saying, like, I'm not really giving a crap that this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the guy belts it out. I've always hated Springsteen. I have no wow. appreciation for the man whatsoever because he sings about middle America stuff and it just doesn't appeal to me. Um, you know, he, he, he sings the Rust Belt blues, all, all, all Rust Belt rock, I should say. 
And I've never lived in the Rust Belt. I've, I've never been born to run. I look at me, I'm, I'm born to saunter. Um, so, uh, Comfort, not speed. Exactly. I'm, I'm like a Cadillac. He's a pickup. But anyway. If, Brad, so, sorry, Brad, if you ever write a, if you ever write an autobiography and it's not titled Born to Saunter, I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Springsteen, it, it always just, it always just sounded like he was kind of talking like a professional wrestler who also sang. <laughs> So he was really kind of, he didn't do much for me. It sounded like he was in mid-jizz. Like he's just, the, if, if you replace any of its lyrics with, I'm going to come, his facial expressions and his voice I don't think that are pretty much on point. Philadelphia. Well, maybe <laughs> not Philadelphia, okay. I... As, as a member of an acapella group in high school, The Streets of Philadelphia is the single worst song ever <laughs> in an acapella group. Wait, worse than River of Dreams? Yes. River of Dreams, you get to do something. That's true. You only, That's can true. I give you my part for The Streets of Philadelphia? You ready? Yes. I repeated that 87 times. <laughs> That was legitimately my entire part in that song as the as the first baritone. Ouch. Yeah. The worst song ever. Anyway. All right. So enough enough on Springsteen, although I'll sort of close for a guy who sort of like sings about as as you sort of coined, I like that Rust Belt Blues. Yeah, his daughter competed in the equestrian. Oh. I think there's just something that now, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't like the guy. I don't like the guy's music. I don't like the way he sings. I will give him credit for being on point with every note that he sings. Like he's got talent. There's no. There's no two ways about it. It's just talent that doesn't land anywhere in my target. Incidentally, I could argue that Springsteen was sort of the impetus for for this show. Never had a number one hit on his own. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. It's true. Oh, huh. interesting. But the singing nun did. <laughs> I still remember tuning into that and then not being able to get that out of my head for like a oh, week. Yeah. Oh, God. My grandmother used to sing that to me. A week of solid singing nun playing in, in the background of my head. That was just like on repeat. And for those You're of you listening, if you want to go back and hear uh, Andrea and I talk about a nun who got kicked out because she was really a lesbian, that's another story. But... Moving on, Kenny Loggins. Someone must have told him this was for a soundtrack because I don't know how the hell he got here. <laughs> yeah, has he put out anything that isn't a soundtrack? Um, yeah, I'm all right. Some, I'm all right. Some Caddyshack. Danger Zone. Danger Zone from Top Gun. Danger Zone. The only thing I think with Kenny Loggins is, is Top Gun. Like, Lana! Lana! <laughs> Danger zone. Danger zone. <laughs> I just, I just always feel like, like Kenny Loggins has always looked like you're. He's a guy who's trying to be your favorite teacher at school. <laughs> oh, that's painfully that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Your mom don't dance, and your daddy don't rock and roll. This is yeah, you're absolutely right because he's like, no, I'm still cool, fellow kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that should not have been Steve Buscemi. That should have been Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
comes in on a motorcycle, but that motorcycle is still a Yamaha. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, we have another Steve, Steve Perry. At this point, did he leave Journey at this point? I think he was, they were on a hiatus at the moment. I know they were between albums, Um, but Steve Perry should have had more than just what, like half a dozen words. Because his voice came in there and was crystal clear. It was, it was, a, it was sure replaced all of uh, Springsteen with Steve Perry. Should have been gone! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and then eventually they were replaced Steve Perry's part with a Filipino YouTube star, so. Yeah, well, you know, it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> it did. I think they, isn't he still with them? Yeah, he sounds exactly like yeah. Steve Perry. Yeah, it's like, it's like, dude. It's like when what's his name from ACDC died, and they're like, we'll never find anyone like him. And like around the corner, they found a guy who sounded exactly like yeah, him. Yeah, just another Aussie popped up and went, Oi! Daryl Hall. Missing John Oates. Oh, Oates was there. He was just in, he was just in the audience. He was yeah. a backup singer. He was hanging out with the news and the reject Jacksons. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how the news was all there and all the Jacksons. Like all the Jacksons went, there's microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, Michael. Uh this, the person, uh, well, speaking of, of the news, Huey Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh that's a, that's another one of my least favorite groups of the 80s. Is Huey yeah, is that, in the news. Like so I, they, are, they played the California Raisins. Here's, here's what I have to say about Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis and the news have said publicly that they never, ever care about getting Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, not because they don't think they deserve it, but because it was never a goal of theirs. They just wanted to be able to make money playing music for yeah. as long as possible. And here they are, you know, uh, the soundtrack to Back to the Future and then featured heavily in American Psycho. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, their, their music is, is decent and you're wrong, Kirk. So change your opinion, please. <laughs> what are you, my first wife? Jesus. <laughs> no, but no, could be your next and you play your cards right. Are any of are any of the rest of you guys part of the uh the Rock Hall Reconsidered project? Is anyone else voting in that? No, um, just I think just, just us. I. All right. So we just had so the way they're doing it is they have people eligible for 10 years and then they go to the senior candidates. We finally lost Huey Lewis in the news, went through all 10 years of being nominated, and then we didn't get him in. And we're putting in bands like Simple Minds at this point. So, uh, and the car- again, I still can't go over the fact that Carpenters got elected. I have no idea who the Carpenters constituency is in a rock hall voting. Um, Carpenters but- weren't even rock. The Carpenters were folk at best. Folk, yeah. yeah. Soft rock, me. Oh, yeah. we've only just begun. Suddenly. Oh, yeah. Don't, we shouldn't all say we're gonna do Mama Cass impressions. Then we have to start coughing, and it's just gonna get dark. Uh, Mama Cass. Oh, my favorite, Brad, sorry, my, fa- my favorite Mama Cass thing is they were didn't they were looking for a second female voice from the Mamas and the Papas, and she auditioned, and they told her she couldn't do it because let's be honest, probably what she looked like, and then she got hit in the head with a pipe at one point. And re-audition, they're like, oh yeah, uh, your voice changed, so I guess we'll let you in now. Like, that was their whole thing. They rejected her, and they couldn't find anyone else that a voice as good of hers, and she got hit in the head with a metal pipe at some point. And they said that somehow changed her voice enough they let her into the group. Why did she get hit in the head with a pipe? I don't know. That was one of those things I just saw, like, when I was going through how they formed the band, because 
I was going at one point. I was just going through all the the, the early bands, and yeah, she got hit with a metal pipe at some point. Whether well, like, I don't think it was intentionally. Plus, well, like Roseanne, when she was growing up, she was demure and and uh, shy and everything. She got into a car accident, and it wound up changing her her uh, personality. Hmm. Well, that can happen, but I don't yeah. think it'll change your voice. Well, maybe she got hit in the neck with the pipe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's just one of those weird before or after John Phillips was diddling his daughter. Ooh. What? Like what, what? What? Oh, like like this didn't happen? We all know. Yeah, that's a that's a little. Oh, we up. we discussed this when we talked about Wilson, Wilson Phillips. Phillips. Yep. Allegedly. 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 Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Steve Steve's you our attorney. At the beginning of the podcast, there's just a big allegedly stamped on it. <laughs> there's there's a bunch. Hey, of hey, no, hey, don't answer that. No opinions stated in this podcast are factual in yeah. any way. Just like and I'm allegedly be, a master impressionist. There should also be an ostrich right beside allegedly. <laughs> uh, so my MVP here, Cindy Lauper. Time after time. Yep. Yeah, I thought she, I, I this is the only solo part I, I ever liked was her. Oh, she howled it, man. She, yeah. did, she did You know what? For song, someone who howled. objected to the song, she really like put her all into it. Mm-hmm. She actually she was one of the people who called it a Pepsi commercial. Yeah. And anybody who can get a song about masturbation in the top 10 kicks ass in my books. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and, if you watch that, if you watch that behind the scenes video, you you can tell where uh, you know, Springsteen, Dylan, they're all being coached on how to, how to do their thing, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause they really want them to insert their, you know, and I used the word shtick before, but Cindy Lauper, she just, she was the only one who seemed to sort of legitimately improvise and just do her thing. Yeah. She stepped up and belted it out. No coaching. It was brilliant. <laughs> Get all that WWE training from being Captain Lou Alfano's daughter. Damn right. This was I didn't little, know that. Oh, wow. She's not. It's, it's real life. But the girls just want to have fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Hey, this was at the around the same time she was at the original WrestleMania. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever tried to explain mm-hmm. Captain Lou Albano's fashion sense to anybody? Yeah. He so he puts a bunch of band aids or uh, rubber bands in his beard. I was, wow. I was gonna say. I mean, I could just show him your picture right now, there, bud. <laughs> You gotta got the whole <laughs> Tell me that didn't come from the Captain Lou Albano. Oh, there's nothing wrong with this. This this is Brad lives in Hawaiian shirts and bowling shirts. This I, is a statement. Um... This says I dress in the dark of my closet. <laughs> <laughs> there's something Brad about it. Very a closet. sad that summer has ended and mm-hmm. we're going into the cold season because he's gonna oh. have to put away his Hawaiian shirts. Layers. I got a compliment on one of my Hawaiian shirts the other day. Walked in, the girl's like, I love that shirt, and I'm from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about this, and, and okay. you can't bring me down. Well, can't bring me down, 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 down. down. Anyway, All right, back so to Cindy Lauper. Uh, yeah, so moving on, someone who was past her expiry date in many ways, Kim Carnes. Very lucky to be here. Still has a yes. great voice. Yeah, great voice. Betty Davis eyes came out about a year or two before this. I think yes. 81. Was it that long? Yeah, 82. Betty Davis 82. eyes. Okay. okay. And this was pretty much it. Yeah, she didn't chart after that. No. Her next album was Barking at Airplanes. So I'm sure it was. <laughs> was that actually the name of it? That's the actual name of the, of the <laughs> yeah, actual what it album. sounded like. Wow. <laughs> actual name of the album wow. in, released in May of 85. So I guess. It, coincidental with this is barking at airplanes oh my goodness 
probably so he, fired fired that a and our guy after and that the, the biggest hit off that album hitting number 15 on the u.s charts was uh crazy in the night in parentheses barking at airplanes what the hell is this i know hit number 15 on the charts according to uh the never wrong oracle wikipedia uh, it's on wikipedia it's got to be true yeah, yeah. Be. they can't put lies on the internet where'd no, you hear that no. on the internet, internet. Yeah. <laughs> uh then bob dylan who i i think we bob dylan about. yeah um although bob Are you gonna do your impression because you always do i already did i already did my how do you how does it feel <laughs> you can i can do it again but everybody no, must get stoned <laughs> but to, to dylan's uh he did have uh success afterwards uh with the traveling wilburys oh uh, the traveling nobodies are awesome yes yeah. Yes. There, there's a couple people I wonder if they were asked. Tom Petty, that's another giant. Yeah, I, was, I was waiting until the end, but Tom Petty is clearly somebody who I'm surprised is in here. Mm-hmm. Which um, he might have, because apparently, this is what I was trying to find, and I couldn't find anything other than John Denver, where the producer, or not the producer, the guy who helped put a lot of this together, said that there was like 40 people that he had to give the axe to. Mm-hmm. And then you wonder, is Tom Petty one of them? But, but one of the people they were pushing for was Eddie Murphy, who decided he was too busy with his Party All the Time single and ended up not showing up. Hey, his music career lasted minutes, man. <laughs> All right. So, Andrew, since you want another impression, here's one, here's one I'm going to dust out that you've never oh. seen. <laughs> she's, she's adequately prepared for this. <laughs> All right. Now this is a visual one. for the, So you have to watch this one. All right. This is my Rick James in that video when Eddie's hitting that hitting that mark. <laughs> Thank you, master impressionist. <laughs> this is going to work really well on an audio podcast. <laughs> we could we could almost hear your ears wiggle. I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Steve, for giving us the appropriate uh, the appropriate. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I guess none of them are gems. Anyway. Closing off, you give the hammer to Ray Charles because he, and yes, should. Great Mm -hmm. call by Quincy. We've said it all about Ray. Also, to the owner of his own uh, music store uh, in uh, Chicago. Ray's. Yeah. Damn fine store. Absolutely. So we should look at the cast offs. Oh, actually, before we do that, another person who did turn this down, I read, uh, regretted it, Barbara Streisand. I don't know if anyone else saw that. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with Barbara Streisand not singing. I, <laughs> oh, for a guy that likes musicals, I'm surprised to hear you say that. I do, but I hate Barbara Streisand and I hate Bette Midler. And both of them... But Bette Midler was in this. Yes, she was. She was in the chorus. And that, therefore, we didn't hear her very much. And the only... Uh, I've actually liked Bette Midler singing solo. When it's solo, you can't hear her. <laughs> Come on, Brad. So he likes not the wind beneath her wings. No, we're never doing that that song so hard. I hate that song so hard. Never doing that one. This little um uh this I I don't want to say the word that I'm thinking because it starts with a C, I'm pretty sure. It does. And anyway, she's counseling captivating in my graduating class of 1992 out of Abbotsford, BC. And she decides that she wants Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings for the class song that we march up to or whatever. 
and it's crap and nobody likes it and it's bullshit and we had so many other better choices in 1992 however she gets it because she's the pretty pretty princess and the whole school rushed the stage during that song and sang it out of tune and poorly it was the only redeeming quality of that whole thing all right, so now that we've re relived your trauma, let's go back to the song. I, I, so, so, Brad, Brad, I think that should be the opening scene on the movie of your life. <laughs> this what? is why I am this way. <laughs> what Brad says is if he has to listen to Bette Midler, he'd prefer to do it from a distance. Oh, <laughs> I've been waiting like a 45 seconds. But, Brad, Brad, I, don't get me wrong. I loved her in Hocus Pocus. No, oh, great actor. He was great but, in that movie. But, I, Everybody's I just great gave that you an idea. So I went to high school in Winchester, Massachusetts, and our, 1997 I graduated, and the song was "I Will Remember You," Sarah McLaughlin. So I was oh, so no, that was the theme of our, our prom was "I Will Remember." That's her you. dead dog song now. <laughs> now it is. But the funny thing is, the DJ didn't have it, so he played a country song called "I Will Not Forget You." <laughs> as, the, as the final song <laughs> I won't remember you <laughs> so evidence so that's why you married uh someone who looks like Sarah McLaughlin then I did marry someone who looks like my wife looks like the midpoint between Sarah McLaughlin and uh and uh what's her name for 51st dates I can't think of it right now uh Drew Barrymore no, I can see a lot. I can see Russia from my house. Yeah. So no, Drew between Drew Palin, Barrymore Sarah and Sarah McLaughlin to get the midpoint. That's basically what my wife looks like. So she's and a hot just, wife. Yeah, I think so. We pull that one off. How'd you trick her? Uh, I knew a lot about Burkina Faso, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> oh. Which you can listen to on the on the Hall of Fame show. <laughs> Something this did come up. I married the Asian girl from uh, the new Star Wars reboot. Be good, be good. You gotta be good. Sounds like her a lot, actually. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it actually does. <laughs> All right, back to um, we're chorus. About Ray Charles. Chorus. No, uh, we just yeah. Well, I mean, we've already said it. I mean, Charles. Do a whole show on Ray Charles. And we did. We actually have. I said you could do a whole anyway. So the 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 chorus, Dan Aykroyd. We've already sort of discussed. He was there yeah. in a fluke. You got to imagine, though, all the people who got turned down, so that, like, we only know that of John Denver officially. Mm -hmm. But they had to be looking like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, yeah. How many people were standing outside the windows going, what yeah. the actual fuck? <laughs> uh, Harry Belafonte, who, well, I mean, he did put it together. I mean, I, I know a lot of Canadians were confusing him with Justin Trudeau, but... <laughs> wow you i i i admit the amount that you cannot let that go i i really i really appreciate it <laughs> i'm i'm committed to my craft you are hating justin trudeau i yeah hey we just spent 650 million dollars on an election to put us exactly where we were before the election exactly it, we said we just had people spend like $58 million to find out that Biden won by more in Arizona than I thought he did. <laughs> yeah. And now, and now, no, I don't want that recount. And now Maricopa County has to buy brand new voting machines and spend $3 million on it because they destroyed them in the process. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Lindsey Buckingham, who was one of the first people who agreed to be a part of it, got nothing except the chorus. Who's right. Lindsey Buckingham? I, I don't. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood oh, Mac. Yeah. 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 He's great. 
Yes. I, I'm surprised it caused the whole group to break up. <laughs> she wasn't Yoko. Yeah, true. Oh, can you imagine how awesome this song would have been if they would have gotten Yoko? It could have only made it better to have this jabbering weasel in the background. Okay. okay, for those who haven't seen it, just YouTube Yoko Ono, Chuck Berry. Oh man, the look or even on better, his face. Listen to our podcast about Chuck Berry. That's true. Yes, yeah, so we covered my dingaling. Yeah, I actually got I, to tell I, somebody, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" Well, I'm talking about my dingaling. Yes, but also YouTube Chuck Berry and Yoko Ono because it's when, priceless. When he start, when Yoko starts screeching, and he's just like, "You married that?" <laughs> yeah, and then they just turn off the mic. Oh yeah, that's another. Isn't that other interesting? Like, who got the worst wife, John Lennon or uh, Paul McCartney? John Lennon. Which version of Paul McCartney? Oh, oh the original or the replica? <laughs> yeah, the original or the replica. So I, I, I had the Beatles one album in because my son's all of a sudden very in the Beatles. He's six. And so we were listening to the uh, to Come Together. And he looked at me, he's like, what is this song about? And I'm like, the dumbest conspiracy of our time. That, that Paul McCartney was dead and that they replaced him with an identical clone for reasons known to nobody. <laughs> And that he's been secretly living a life as somebody who he's not for the last 60 whatever years. Uh, okay, so we've got, <laughs> we've got members of the news. Yes, five of them. The um, news. We're coming into this. Did you know how many members of the news there were? No. Five? Six? Six. Technically. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't, if you asked me how many, if there are more Jacksons or members of the news, I would not have known. There was four Jacksons and I think three No, or there four. were five Jacksons, there, the Jackson well, five. Well, there's yeah, six, no, including Michael. Who were at the, uh, who it wasn't replacing Jackson. Involved. Yeah. No, because Michael, Michael Jackson, LaToya, Marlon, Randy, and Tito were all there. Oh, they were all there. Okay. Yeah, all six of them. Okay. What was Tito doing? Like, what, what is Randy Jackson doing? <laughs> Nobody knows or cares. Latoya, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she tried, man. You got to give her an A for effort and a D for everything else. Oh, you're being generous with that D. Well, E you know. for effort. <laughs> uh, Sheila E, one of my early crushes. Stra Who is that? Sheila E. Uh, yeah. She wants to live the glamorous life. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, but. That was good. I liked it. It was like that, that's one of your better uh, songs. Yeah. If yeah. I would have closed my eyes, I would have thought she was right there. She, well, she I, was I, I should have like, had the drumsticks going too. Yeah. Should have. She was making it riding on the uh, Prince coattails. Yeah, well, she was Prince's drummer for the yeah. for a while there. With she the new, she was not, talented she, though. Not New that's, Power Generation. It was before that. Yeah. But I think Prince called? produced a lot of her early stuff. Mm -hmm. And and they had a hit together with a Love Bazaar in '85. Yes. Yes. That was totally oh. his song. Yep. So if Prince can't get there, I guess you need Sheila E. Yep. And she did. And she did uh, helm the house band for the Magic Hour. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Uh, Bob Geldof, and we should take a, a real deep dive here because apparently he got upset during all during everything that was going on when a lavish buffet was spread out for everyone, and he sort of lost his shit, saying, "You know, like this is about Africa and." 
apparently all the food was was given. They didn't actually buy it, but still, it is sort of an interesting thing. Maybe I don't know what they were being served, but if they were having like filet mignon and they're singing about world famine. Yeah, well, what do you want to serve? Like day-old rice crackers and some margarine? And canned beans. Well, and canned beans, you think? Isn't that getting a little extravagant? That's a little bit too much like caviar. Well, I, I remember uh, reading an interview with Phil Collins, and he was like, really, was it necessary? The champagne, the laminated pass, you know, couldn't they have given that money to the famine relief instead of being that? Yeah, but they look at what they did. So Phil Collins can pretty much blow it out his ass. <laughs> he was just sad that he wasn't in the st st studio. <laughs> wow, good. Um, good. Oh. I don't know. Whatever. Studio. Does anyone know what that is? Susudio. That was the girl's name. Studio was the girl's name. Susudio. Susudio. Okay. S u s u d i o. Yeah, no, that that's weird. Yeah, well, that's someone whose parents did not like. So him. is um, <laughs> riding through the desert on a horse with no name, but nobody gives America shit for that. Yeah, but that's all about heroin. So <laughs> it's good to be out on the rain. Heroin has a name. I, I also I also love the fact that America is just a band made up of people from England. That's actually <laughs> one of my favorite things. And they sound like the worst Canadian singer ever to grace Canada's pages, other than maybe Chad Kroger, but probably not. And that is Neil Young, brilliant songwriter. He should have never opened his mouth. I'll concur with that. I also will agree oh. with the hate on for Chad Kroger, but he's not a terrible singer. No, he's got more talent than Neil Young because Neil Young, all he is is sad, tiny Tim. Because <laughs> <laughs> tiny Tim could have gone, Cause I'm still in love with you on this harvest moon. <laughs> All right, and moving right along. One more thing on Chad Kroger. Have to so he so he I guess he is he did he have a kid with Avril Lavigne? I don't know. I stopped reading. I thought she was with the Skater Boy. <laughs> no, she said, "See you later, boy." Uh, you imagine right. what you want to imagine. She was, was with Chad Kroger, but time. I don't think they had a child. Okay. The worst singer of all time would have been whatever those two spawned. I think Avril basically just had something in her mouth. Not in her hands? No, that's another Nickelback song. We were doing the game. Come on. <laughs> uh, the Jacksons, Jackie, Latoya, Marlon, Randy, Tito. Where was Rebby? I think in the back, maybe doing blow in the bathroom. What about Larry Curley and Moe? They're all dead at this point. Jackson? Now, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, was not here. No. I thought Miss Jackson, I am for real. Never meant to make your doctor cry. <laughs> I apologized a thousand times. Now, here's my favorite one to talk about. Uh, not seen in the video because he took off. Waylon Jennings. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Here, here's a sentence that is not often going to be said about Waylon Jennings, the Olivia de Havilland of this group. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> okay, yeah, please. I'm, I'm lost here on this. <laughs> Let me take you back to the year 1939. Picture this, Sicily, 1939. <laughs> so 19, 1939. I brought this up on our podcast before the 1939 Oscars. So best support, Gone with the Wind is the big movie. 
The best supporting actress nod goes to Hattie McDaniel, the first African-American person ever to win an Oscar. She thought she was going to win for her role as Melanie in Gone with the Wind and stormed out of the room because black people were getting something. And basically Sam Meyer's wife ran into, she was, it was a small ballroom. There's like in the kitchen, like off the area. He ran, she ran to the kitchen and said, I will tell my husband to fire you and blackball you from Hollywood if you don't get back in there and applaud. Waylon Jennings, as soon as he found out there's going to be Swahili in a song to help Africa, stormed out of the room. Oh, jeez. And it and, wasn't even real Swahili. It was something they made up. Well, no, it was no. Something they never Apparently, did they were going to use yeah. Swahili. Yeah. And oh. then they didn't. And then they went with like a for the world, for the children, yeah. for they, us all, for the children. So, so again, no, they, he used the word allegedly. So he said, no, 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 no good old boys going to sing this, sing Swahili. Oh, geez. Yeah. Which he wasn't wasn't meaning no harm, but he wasn't singing no Swahili either. Yeah. Well done. I was going to say, because you you really don't expect anyone who was singing about the general lead to sort of come up with uh, thoughts like that. Yeah. But like he stormed out. And at some point you just like, bye. I'm sorry, Waylon Jennings. You're like the. 40th most like you're barely you're below the pointer sisters sisters and above the news like somewhere in there the people in this room like, just go and but they dropped the swahili like how why they dropped it because they were arguing back and forth on it and it was probably a good call not to not to sort of use that uh plus, i think at plus, that plus point. They're, they're they're stepping on paul simon's later act so <laughs> <laughs> don't it was that guy charles who said that. it's three in the morning let's there's no more time for this shit i'm paraphrasing but yeah and when ray spoke, hey they listen. if ray charles is going to be driving you home if you would stay <laughs> much later <laughs> you want to get a move on yeah yeah so then we had bet medler who uh brad uh, is very much she is the wind beneath his wings. She can die in a hotel fire. It doesn't even have to be an expensive hotel. Wow. It could be a motel. Wow. She, she saved the rest of the money by sending it to Africa, so we're fine. <laughs> uh, John Oates. Mm-hmm. I can't go for that. Yeah. Uh, you, never want to, you never want to be the second person named in a duo. Like Garfunkel didn't get this at all. Mm. Oates mm-hmm. is, you know, in the chorus. But- the captain and Tennille. Tennille was the way more talented one. The oh, captain yeah. didn't the do captain anything. Do? He just, well, the captain could play keys. Okay. But when your last name is Dragon and you don't go with the dragon and Tennille, mm-hmm. you got some mental problems. Yeah. yeah. I can Tina. But he, he had that hat. And, you know, maybe that was the whole thing. I need an excuse to wear this hat. Well, plus, there was the 70s and men always had to come first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And only. And only, yeah. They don't still? <laughs> like I've always said, I just get yelled at when I lay there. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Osborne. I got, I got nothing really on Jeffrey. No, Jeffrey. I got nothing. I don't even know who he is. Oh. Yeah. Well, he was, he was the lead singer of LTD. Oh, okay. Um, rapper, R&B. Like, I don't. I know what you also say on, on the wings of love is probably his biggest song. I, I, don't, I don't think Jeffrey Osborne. Yes. What? You say Jeffrey Osborne was a rapper? I guess more in R and B than anything. Yeah, LTD was like in funk, like that. Yeah, yeah LTD was funk. Yeah. I, 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 sorry. Yeah. And I guess, and finally, the Pointer Sisters. They were so excited just to be there. 
Mm-hmm. They couldn't hide it. <laughs> uh, I love the Pointer Sisters, uh, but yes. glad they were there. But I mean, like, they didn't really have a lead. Didn't they always interchange, I think, depending on the song? Except for the one with the really low voice. Because the one has a really, really low voice. Who's, I don't remember which one that is. I think her lyric was always ooey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one. That's not that. Yeah. Well, that was Barry White. <laughs> Uh, oh, you're, you're, you're missing one more. There's one more person oh, in this court. Who's going to miss? Uh, Smokey. Oh, he was there? Smokey Wait, Robinson. Yeah, okay. Smokey Rob. Yeah, well. Which just goes to say, I'm, I'm sorry. I know we talked about Harry Belafonte, but if Prince is not showing up, how we end up with Huey Lewis and not Smokey Robinson is questionable. I mean, yeah, because he, he is considered a royalty of some sorts. Absolutely. You know. Wait, did we talk about Dion Warwick? But we sort of glanced over her. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I think, yeah, we kind of, I think I skipped over her. But yeah, Dion was there. They gave her a pretty uh, sizable component considering that she was just doing, playing Vegas at that time. hmm She knew way too much about them, my friend. She How far friends. away from uh, her last album that charted was she at that point? I'll tell you one second here. I know she had a number one after with the, with the AIDS benefit. You know, talking about that so with uh, that's what friends are for. Yeah, yeah that yeah, that's, that's probably that's the last thing. Honestly, the only Dionne Warwick song that I can pull off the top of my head right now. Uh, yeah, which, which also probably was Stevie Wonder's last big hit too, technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Um, let's see her. What year are we in? She's been doing it for so long. Uh, single. That was like 85, 86, I think was when that was. Yeah, 80, 87 was, um, that's the, on the, uh, that's what Fred's are for. She had a duet with uh, Jeffrey Osborne in 87 called Love Power. I don't know if you remember that one. Nope. Um, but that's pretty much, Love Power is the last top 40 hit she had in 87. Okay. But yet, Huey Lewis got Huey, Huey was a hard rock and roll. He was hot. He was hot. At that he time. was hot at the time. Yeah, they like, were trying to sell records. Like, like that. He had a monster album. I think it was called Sports. Yes, Sports. Where a good chunk of those hits came came from. Yeah, uh, and he was still successful afterwards. I mean, not somebody that I really care for, but what I like is they took rock and they threw the brass section of a funk band into it. Hmm. There were a few bands that did that. Chicago's another one that had a good brass section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but oh God, some of the stuff they gave us. <laughs> By the way, I just I just went look went and looked up uh, the Love Power lyrics. The first line from her song Love Power is "Saw a psychic in L.A." That's the first <laughs> line. So she was <laughs> Yeah, you did in 1987. Nice. Yeah. So, so I gotta say. Because we were talking about how this spawned all sorts of spinoffs, and I so I watched a bunch of spinoffs. I also watched a bunch of spoofs. What are your favorite either spinoffs or spoofs of this? I was trying to find something that they did on Saturday Night Live, but I couldn't find it. That I remember. Was it Saturday Night Live or in Live? I think it was in Living Color. Well, no, this one was on Saturday Night Live because just tying in with the whole Wrestlemania, uh, when they had Hulk Hogan and Mr. T as the special guests, uh, they had, someone was doing Prince, 
Billy and, Crystal was playing Prince and they were the two bodyguards. Yeah. And then every time someone tried to sing with them, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T just threw, threw, threw like threw them away. Yeah. Uh, only because I was I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it. Uh, that, that for that's my answer for that one. The In Living Color one was pretty good too, where it was like save our careers. <laughs> and they they were just dressed up as all of the original cast for the most part except yoko was there um and someone's like how'd you get here and she's like same way dan Aykroyd got here <laughs> <laughs> somebody wasn't watching the back door <laughs> so my favorite spoof though was the um i'm fucking back ben affleck how is that a spoof on we are the world oh because it's literally like the group um there's a ton of celebrities probably more with number one hits than in the original mm. singing like okay I, did, I just didn't see like the correlation between it but yeah uh, i'm fucking ben affleck is brilliant and then i'm fucking matt damon but yeah no it's it's no i'm fucking matt damon was before i'm fucking i'm fucking right, and then ben, ben affleck, affleck was the yeah. but yeah no they did the full-on chorus of celebrities mm. um let's explore this i think it'd be safer to fuck matt damon first Matt Damon before Ben Affleck. I mean, I'm just going for the whole J Lo thing because, like, I yeah, I don't know. I think Ben might be a little rough and might want to have sex with you in an uncomfortable place, like the backseat of a Volkswagen. That's the one, Evan. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> We're sitting there. I just had to hit it off the tee. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I think Justin as, as, as someone who is as someone who has met Ben Affleck in a bar. Yep. Uh, he it's he's taller than I thought he was. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, and he I don't know. He does get he was he was very interested in my friend's girlfriend. He kept buying her. He was buying her drinks at the bar. I think Boston. Matt Damon would be more gentle and in tune with me as a as a lover. And I think the fact that Matt Damon married someone who's not famous and has just been married to her and happy for all this time is probably, I'd, I'd say it would be harder to fuck Matt Damon than it would be to fuck Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, probably. But once yeah. you're in there, you know, he's, yeah. he's going to be gentle. He's going to be tender. He's going to care about you and your feelings. He might even buy you a zoo. He might. <laughs> he bought his whole, his whole pretend family a zoo. Yeah. And so, again, I just lay there. <laughs> <laughs> so so tears are not enough we brought up earlier oh, yeah 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 so, oh, so that oh. came out so the usa for africa thing came out in like january mm-hmm. and then the tears are not enough or it was recorded in january tears are not enough was recorded in february but i think it actually came out first i don't remember because uh, so the we we are the world was recorded january 28th of 85 and released on march 7th and tears are not enough was released on Fe- or was recorded february 10th and released on march 1st Hmm. So, so actually, who headed up um, Tears Are Not Enough? Well, uh, David Foster, I think. Was it Foster at the helm on that one? Well, I'm going to look that up now. If it's Canadian, it should uh, be. It was Bruce Allen. Uh, oh, it was Bruce Allen. All right, well, it might as well be. Uh, David Foster wrote the song. Okay. Uh, well, along and- with Jim Valance, Brian Adams, Richard, Rachel, that's too many vowels in a row, Piment, P-A-I-E-M-E-N-T. <laughs> Paul Hyde and Bob Rock, which is the only rock associated with that song. <laughs> yeah, <that's> true. <laughs> I mean, Bruce Allen Allen has represented pretty much every Canadian rocker 
in the also, history of Canadian Also, he should never speak in public. He's a bit of a douche canoe. Yeah. And, and I have to say, their chorus members include both John Candy and Eugene Levy. Oh, so we're just gonna get the whole uh, SNL crowd in there because it's all Catherine O'Hara too. Comedians, nice, and Catherine O'Hara as well. Yeah, but yeah, so I watched that video multiple times, and granted, the as an American, and granted, the quality wasn't the best that I saw on YouTube, but like I got Gordon Lightfoot right away. I'm still not sure what a Burton Cummings is. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you do. Neither are we. And I've seen him live. There's like, not much to do in Canada. So if somebody says Burton Cummings is coming, you can go ahead and you go. Yeah. So so the list of like the solo vocalists in that one are in order. Gordon Lightfoot, Burton Cummings, Anne Murray, Joni Mitchell, someone named Dan Hill. Sometimes uh, when we talk. Oh, that's <laughs> that guy. Oh, uh, okay. It's good stuff. The honesty's too much. Uh, Neil Young in his best I am in the witness protection program at Still No Young outfit. <laughs> oh. uh, Brian <laughs> Adams, Corey Hart, Bruce Cockburn, Getty Lee, who has very Coburn. excited to Coburn. Coburn. Coburn, I'm sorry. It sounds like, less like I've been mispronounced that my whole life. Yeah. If you, just, yes, if you say it, Coburn, Bruce it sounds Coburn. less like an STD. So he has two silent letters in a row in that name. Yes. And it's a C and a K. Well, if you had that last name, wouldn't you? Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Getty Lee, of course, I was very excited to see. And then Mm -hmm. I'm afraid now, is it Mike Reno? Is it Mike Renault? Mike Reno. Reno. Mike Reno? Okay. It's not a French name. No. (laughs) Well, there's one point people start singing in French there. Well, that's because it's Canadian. Yeah, there's people named Bernie Kelly Vaux. Since 1985, that was our only version of diversity. Mm. (laughs) Plus, plus, if you didn't have someone singing in French in every song when playing Quebec, that's pretty much about it. (laughs) Opal's here. Yeah, Opal's being obnoxious. She won't come on the camera though; just her nose. Mm Oh, here's here's another name in the in the chorus, uh, Paul Schaefer. Oh yeah, Paul Schaefer's fantastic though. He is. He's a good guy, and also a very talented musician. Mm-hmm. You gotta imagine though, if you're John Candy, like all these, all the SCTV crew. I mean, do you just sort of like mouth the words because you know you can't sing? Mm-hmm. Like, well, maybe John well, Candy could sing. Possible. I do. I also do also enjoy the fact that they couldn't get Dave Thomas, but they got his younger brother Ian. That was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Ian Thomas was way too busy. Ian Thomas does have one of my favorite early Canadian rock songs ever, "Painted Ladies." Did they get Lawrence Gowan in there? That was his song. Uh, yeah. Wow, it's a good song. It was his only big hit. Probably, yeah. Lawrence Gowan. No, it wasn't Gowan. Didn't Gowan have his hits after? No, I don't know, but I just remember I, I back in the day I used to work for a radio station in uh, in Prince George, uh, which is about the middle north of BC. Um, it is the um, the, the belly button. Of no, Columbia. it's the armpit. It's not. Uh, it's not on either one side enough to be the armpit. Well, it's the belly okay. button. It's so like the a stinky button. belly button. Yeah, it's not the asshole, but you can smell it from there. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I'm working up there. I'm working at this little small market radio station. 
And I literally, on my first day, I played a you know, preset list and I've got Lawrence Gowan right next to, right after it was Britney Spears hit me one more time. Mm. So it was Criminal Mind and then Britney Spears, the only radio station on the planet where you're gonna hear Gowan back to back with Britney Spears. You know what Gowan's doing now? He's with Sticks. Yeah. 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 Really? Like, I was he's gonna got, say, he's I got was too gonna much time on his yeah, <laughs> I have to say, I when people ask me what type of music I like, I say I like every type of music that you could sing to, and it's not sticks. <laughs> and it's not sticks. <laughs> oh come on, Renegade, that's a great song. Re oh, time, uh, time out. Renegade is the one exception. Mm -hmm. Renegade is a fantastic song. Everything it's else I have ever done. I live in Chicago. I can't believe they haven't thrown me out yet. Because uh, <laughs> I mean, this is Sticks' hometown. Too but much God. time on my hands. It's the Tommy Shaw songs that are the best. Mm, I'd agree. That band. Dennis Comes... D. Young is like, they should use the same bullet on him uh, as Peter Cetera. Just <laughs> wind them both up. But then who's going to do it for the glory of love? <laughs> I don't know, but I am a man who will fight for that honor to shoot him. There's, 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 there's a commercial a few years ago where there was an older African-American gentleman who's trying to teach a younger guy how to woo the women. And the guy's walking through his apartment, he goes, you got a lot of Peter Cetera. Do you like Peter Cetera? He goes, no, but the <laughs> ladies like Peter Cetera. So I like Peter Cetera. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, Steve, you, you'll like this one. So my brother, Hans, and yeah, I, I know him with my last name, Buckner. And no, I, thank God we weren't named Franz. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Hans used to have, uh, like, he, he had a, you know, look through his uh, record collection. It's like, and you'd see the Kim Mitchell and just like a lot of like rock staples. And then what the Isn't hell is Air Supply there for? He says, that's that. Why do you think? And I'm a kid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Kirk, you, you never got that though. Air Supply? No, no just you. the reason for Air Supply. Well, I was lost in love and I didn't know much. I didn't know. I didn't get that back then. It's not something I understood. It's where you put that eight track in the player in the car and you lean the seats back. And it's so shall we get the back dashboard. to the topic at hand? <laughs> I, I think our topic's done. Uh, this song, uh, I, I think we should sort of mention, did not survive the test. Nor should it have. No, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> it, it, it was... An awful, it's an awful song that never gets airplay, never should. But it did good work, so we got to give it that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it uh, did. You, you, you've got to, uh, you know, of course, I was about 17 at the time it came out. You know, I remember, do they know it's Christmas? You know, that the, the spirit was in the air of mm -hmm. just the awareness of the Ethiopian famine. Um, and then, yeah, you had the USA for Africa right on the heels of that. So like, I hate that shit up. And, uh, you know, I bought it all. And then, and then, yeah, it went all the way up to Live Aid. And yeah, it was crap, but, uh, but it was like, it was a good crap. So uh, it, it felt was like a good crap. crap with heart. <laughs> with yeah, a good so, purpose, a good yeah. intention. I, I think that was the Wilson sisters last album, Crap with Heart. Crap with heart. <laughs> <laughs> what I have to say though, we do have to give it a little bit of a little bit of credit too because nobody knew how to do this yet like this yeah. is this is the first steps of 
trying to raise money for a cause through a whole bunch of rich people not actually donating money. Yeah, um, nobody did an ensemble like this. Yeah, And correct. literally, it was written to be very simple, easily memorable, and mm-hmm. an earworm. Yep. Well, that was the one thing that uh, both Michael and uh, Lionel Richie were saying was that they wanted to have something. They were listening to a lot of like movie scores and stuff like this and stuff that would be, um, it would have a musically impactful, but something that would stick with you. You know, like we can all remember the Star Wars theme song and the Indiana Jones theme song and, and what have you. And so they wanted something that had that, that sense of, of, of gravitas but also had lyrics that were easy enough to remember. Yeah. I think, I think another thing to also mention too, uh, this like won virtually everything that it could win at the Grammys, American Music Awards. It oh, also yeah. won like a best group video for, for the MTV. Like how? How does that win? No others? Yeah. I mean, it was a shitty video, but I mean like- Kurt, this is yeah. how you and I would have the number one podcast of two Canadians talking about American music. This is, this is a very good point. So, so, you guys like American music? No, but we talk about it like every week. Music. <laughs> I like so, American so just, music. just to give you some perspective. So, this was the uh, sixth song to go number one on the Billboard charts in 1985. Uh, just to give you a quick rundown of how, how things were going before that. The first part of the year was Like a Virgin, was number one for basically all of January. The first weeks of February, we had Foreigners, I Want to Know What Love Is. We had Careless Whisper oh. for next three, leading us into March. Can't Fight This Feeling by REO Speedwagon for most of March. Uh, and then One More Night by Phil Collins. Uh, and then Crazy For You by Madonna took over after We Are The World. So. Why did they all want all these slow songs? Yeah, I mean, other songs that went number one that year... Other songs that went number one that year included Sissa Studio by Phil Collins oh. and, and uh, the theme song to Miami Vice. So it wasn't just oh, the yeah. fashion that sucked that around this time. Everything sucked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other, like, you're talking slow songs. Say You, Say Me, Broken Wings. Uh, the worst number one song I will say of all time. I, I, have you guys done We Built the City Up by Starship? Not yet. Oh, We're saving that, that is. That is you know, maybe the worst. Hear me out on this one here, and this is why this song gets so much hate. I was introduced to Starship as Starship. I didn't know them as Jefferson Airplane previously, so I was introduced to Starship at the same time I was introduced to the Beastie Boys. I had both their cassettes. I loved it. It was brilliant. Um, I had no idea about what had happened pre-Starship when they were Jefferson Airplane. And no idea where they came out of the psychedelic experience into bubblegum pop. So from my perspective, Starship was pretty good mm-hmm. because I had no pre-existing notions of them. Grace yeah. Slick has actually apologized for this. <laughs> I'm not making the key hats. Like that's actually true. Uh, but I, I guess I should, I guess we can close off. Andrew, you know what I got for you next week? I wait with bated breath. Okay. Helen Reddy and I Am Woman. Oh, okay. All right. All right. The, the, the Australian power ballad. Or power, power, <laughs> women's power movement. I don't know. She's Australian. Well, there we go. I That's didn't even I know that. Yeah, she's she Australian. Is. She's part of Aborigine, too, I believe. Helen Reddy. Hmm. 
is like, but we, we like, can like learn like, all about this. Warren Hart Aboriginal. Hold on, let me find this out. They, I may be completely making this up. You're gonna do their so. research for them? That's cheating. Yeah, <laughs> she was Australian, born in Melbourne. I thought she was, but I don't know. We'll find. You can, you guys can look that up, but she's definitely Australian. Huh. So, we'll I am woman. That. Yeah, passed away last year. Helen Reddy, standing by. <laughs> Family, okay. Well, I would like to thank our auspicious uh, guests this week for a very entertaining <laughs> time. Well, what do you want, Andrea? I don't think any of us here are auspicious. <laughs> Could you use that word? No, in just sentence, suspicious. <laughs> suspicious, yes. That word you're saying, I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Check out all the other great shows that we have on the NotInHallOfFame.com network. Wow, I guess I have a network of stuff. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Who knew? Mom, I finally made it. <laughs> and, and as we always close off, stay safe, everybody. Bye. <laughs>